I want to ask you a personal question. Do you read my newsletter, Leadership Forward 321? Because if you don't, I really think you'd like it if you like this podcast. Every Wednesday morning, I send a short newsletter designed to help you lead your organization more strategically and with less overwhelm in five minutes or less. The newsletters are organized around a timely leadership theme and give you something practical that you can apply right away in your organization. I include three of the best articles that I've come across on that theme, two concrete resources or tools that I believe in, and one quote to inspire and motivate you. So if you don't yet get the newsletter, I'm going to make it super easy for you to sign up. Just text the word IMPACT to 66866 and you'll be added to my list. Thanks. Hello. I'm doing something a little bit special this week. I'm previewing a snippet from the private Q&A style coaching podcast inside my new program for nonprofit founders. It's called Nonprofit Startups Demystified. My goal is to help demystify the seemingly chaotic process of starting a new nonprofit by responding every week directly to the questions and challenges that members submit on the private podcast inside the membership. Members also get a weekly startup toolkit focused on strategy, fundraising, board and staff, or program and impact. So if you're a founder, you can join the waitlist at brookridgebabbage.com backslash nonprofit founder. And if you're listening live, the membership goes live on November 15th. Here is a taste of one of the private podcasts. Hey there, changemakers. Welcome back to another episode of the Nonprofit Startups Demystified Private Podcast. This is the exclusive podcast where your burning questions get answered. I'm your host, Brooke Ritchie Babbage, and I have seen it all. 25 years in the game as a two-time founder, nonprofit leader, professor, and strategist. I've worn every hat you can imagine in the nonprofit space. And my goal is to share that treasure trove of experience with you. You've got questions, you've got challenges, and I know you've got a mission that you are passionate about accomplishing. I'm here to help you navigate those twists and turns so you can have the impact that you have always dreamed of. So are you ready to demystify the nonprofit startup world? Let's dive in. We've got some great questions this week. As always, the table of contents for these questions by theme is in your inbox along with your weekly startup toolkit and they've been added to the searchable library. Our first question is from Sandra. Sandra says, I have two mission statements for a nonprofit that I want to start. And the actual text for the mission statements are going to be shared in the library. I won't read them here because they're a little bit long. I can't decide between them, and this feels really important. From your experience, which do you feel resonates more powerfully and is likely to get more community and donor support? faster and more easily? So that is a great question. And here's how I would think about landing on the right mission statement. First, I want to just give a little bit of context. Far fewer people are going to pay attention to the words in your mission statement than you think. Actually, it's your theory of change that becomes far more important. It's how you differentiate your mission from other similar organizations and how you link your mission to the strategies that you're going to use to have impact. So I'll be sharing a bunch of stuff on theory of change in your toolkits in the Demystified program. So definitely stay tuned. But for our purposes here, the thing you do want to think about for your mission statement is that you're using it 
again, not the specific words, but the statement as a whole, as a signal to your people that they are your people. What do I mean by this? Which mission statement you choose should depend on who is in your target audience. Who are you trying to bring along with you on your impact journey? Who are your supporters going to be? Who are your key partners and stakeholders going to be? Who are the people that when they hear the mission statement, raise their hand and say, wow, that's a change in the world that I care very deeply about. So here, both of the mission statements you shared are really powerful, but they're a little different in terms of sort of what they will evoke in people. So I want you to ask yourself, who do I want to communicate with? Right? Who am I talking to? So the mission statement for the Safe Passage Foundation communicates a protective and sort of urgent need to defend women's rights. While the language that you use in the other mission statement speaks a little bit more to self-empowerment, personal empowerment, perhaps emphasizing autonomy and choice. Right? So they're both about women's rights. They're both about access to free and legal abortions, but what they evoke in the reader or the listener, whoever's hearing them, is a little bit different, right? So one is more sort of protective and in defense of, and one is more about autonomy, personal choice, and empowerment. So you want to ask yourself, who do you want to mobilize most urgently to help you achieve your mission, right? To walk alongside you as a partner, as a donor, as a board member, as a supporter, et cetera? Is it people who respond and raise their hand to a call to defend or those who rally around ideas of self-empowerment and autonomy? Both are fine. It's really a gut check for you, right? What is your sort of motivation? What is your theory? And this goes back to what I was saying before about theory of change. What's your theory about what is really at the core of what these women need, right? Also reflect on how you'd personally want your organization to be perceived. And so your answer to both of those questions, who am I talking to and how do we want to be received in the world, will help point you towards the more resonant mission. In the end, the thing to remember is there's no right answer. Do not get caught up on your mission statement, right? You can adjust it. You can change it. It will become part of the fabric of a much more nuanced conversation that you have with potential supporters about who you are. Question two is from David. So this one's about feedback loops. The question is, what systems or mechanisms can we set up to make sure that we are continuously receiving and integrating feedback from all of the various people that we're working with and for? Families we want to help, my board, the people who donate, we have volunteers also. There are a lot of people who are stakeholders. And how do we make sure we're listening and iterating without getting off track? So I love this focus on feedback. It's critical for iterative improvement in the early stages of getting your organization off the ground. I really, really love this. And what you're talking about here, feedback loops, are particularly important so that people are also hearing from you right? What you're thinking about, what you're working on, and what you're testing. So I'm going to walk you through sort of a feedback loop process, right? Setting them up and benefiting 
from them. First thing you want to do is decide what you want insight into. For example, do you want feedback about how your programs are doing? Do you want early feedback about a new strategy you're thinking about or a new direction? Do you want feedback about how a partnership or process is working out, right? So you want to define your information goal first, right? What do you want to know about? Second, ask yourself, who do I need to hear from in order to get real insight into this question? So if your information goal is to learn how your programs are doing, you'd want to hear from people closest to the programs beneficiaries, your target community, impacted constituents, whatever you call them. You may also want to hear the perspective of volunteers or staff that you have working on the programs. You may also be offering programs in partnership with other institutions or organizations, and they might have insight into how the programs are doing. So you start with your goal, how are programs doing? And then you ask, who do I need to hear from in order to really learn and understand, right? So goal, And then who? For early feedback on ideas to help you iterate quickly, you may want to hear multiple perspectives on an idea. So you notice that I mentioned beneficiaries as well as volunteers, as well as partners. You want to think really broadly um, as you are creating these feedback, feedback loops because you're going to get different perspectives that will give you different insights into different aspects of your information goal. Now, once you have your goal and you know who you want to talk to, the final thing to think about is how you want to calibrate depth with ease. So what I mean by this is you could do one-on-one phone calls with every program participant or a coffee meeting with every volunteer. You would get a lot of depth, right? You could go back and forth. You could dig in where they say something that doesn't make sense. And maybe in the early stages, depending on how many of these different stakeholders you have, this is the best way to get meaningful information, right? If you launch a program for 10 people, maybe you want to have a one-on-one with all 10 of those people. If you have three volunteers, have coffee with all three volunteers, right? That is a great way to get depth. But you also need to think about how easy it will be to get the information that you need to inform your decisions, right? You need enough information in this feedback loop to actually help you make decisions. So again, with the program example, if you have 20 program participants and five volunteers, that could be hours of one-on-one conversations for feedback. Now, the opposite extreme are things like surveys and questionnaires. They are super, super easy to share and collect. And you can gather a lot of information if you can get people to respond to them. The problem with these is that you often lose depth and nuance because you're not actually in real conversation, back and forth conversation, multidimensional conversation with the people who fill these things out. So you want to calibrate depth and ease. And my recommendation is to actually use a combination, a combination of the following and ask yourself along the way, What's the right balance here of depth with ease? So here are some options to combine. These are roughly in order of the most depth to the least depth. So one-on-one conversations we talked about. One-on-one email exchanges um, or text exchanges sometimes work really well also. So you can email individuals one-on-one and ask for feedback in response to specific questions. 
um, or a set of questions by email or by text. And you can get a little bit of the back and forth, right? Focus groups, which are small and targeted, can be excellent. You can do single stakeholder focus groups where it's all program participants or all volunteers or all partners or all board members. You can also mix, right? You could do one or two focus groups where you have a mix of stakeholders so they get to hear from one another. Um, those can be really powerful as well. Town hall meetings serve a similar purpose. Lots of voices in the room, but they are bigger. And so you have more voices. Things like feedback boxes in physical locations and feedback space on your website are an excellent way to get more unidirectional, right? You just ask for feedback and then people send it your way. Surveys, you can do these on paper or use digital survey tools. Google Forms is excellent. Typeform is really pretty. SurveyMonkey, if you want more sort of data-driven feedback. And there are some great digital survey tools that people can actually use on their phones. And then finally, text-based surveys, right? So if you do online surveys, you can ask more questions. Text-based surveys work well for one or two survey responses. And these work really I think I'm not going to say a lot better. They often, you will get more responses. Um, so we've moved from sort of the in-depth one-on-one to the text-based surveys. So my recommendation, just to recap, would be what is the information goal? Who do you need to hear from? And then how do you want to calibrate depth with ease? So that's a small snippet from the weekly private podcast inside nonprofit startups demystified. And like I said, if you're a startup founder in your startup phase, join the wait list and you can start submitting your questions right away. You'll also get the weekly startup toolkit that goes along with these coaching lessons. You can sign up at brookrichiebabbage.com backslash nonprofit founder. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of the Nonprofit Mastermind Podcast. I always have so much fun doing these episodes. Definitely check out the links to all the goodies that I mentioned in this episode. You can get that at brookrichiebabbage.com backslash podcast for the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode and think that you have a friend or colleague who would also enjoy, I would love if you would leave a review and share. Have a great week.